Well, we continue on our series on kind of the covenants and promises of the Bible. And I, I'll tell you that the, the bulletin cover was actually orange, and then when I printed it, it came out more red. So just pretend this is orange today, if you wouldn't mind it. It's the color of the, of the cloth up here. Um, sometimes our copier mixes colors in a unique way, and this is one of them. So just pretend this is orange. Our scripture today comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 19 and 20, selections from both of those. And I just ask you to hear these words. They may be familiar. In fact, I know they are. And I just ask that you let those words kind of flow over you this day, that you maybe hear them with new ears. And then we'll talk about them in the sermon Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the people's. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses went, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And then, from chapter 20, then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God. I'm a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the, the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord has giving, is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. 
You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female slave, ox, donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. May God grant us understanding of these words this day. The word of God for the people of God. So I'm wondering if you had rules in your household growing up, or if you were a parent, if you had rules for your kids that were just kind of understood. Um, maybe there were things like don't run in the house, don't slam the door. David tells me that if he, that's my husband, he tells me that if he slammed the door in his mom's house, she made him go back and shut it ten times. And... Um, and he always kind of grins when he tells me that because um, apparently that wasn't a popular punishment for slamming the door. But he did it. In my house, it's my mom always worked night shift as a nurse when I was growing up. And so one of the rules that we had to live with was don't wake up mom unless there was blood or an emergency, or something like that. Instead, um, if there were things that came up, she left a spiral notebook on the kitchen table, and we could write her notes in that. And she would leave notes of chores that we were supposed to do, um, although I'm really convinced that my brother Randy switched names on some of those. She always wrote with a pencil, so it was suspect. Because I'm not really sure how I ended up with the dishes every day. But I think he switched it. And so there were all kinds of things like that. If we went somewhere, if we used up the last of something in the fridge, they were all in these notebooks. And when I was home this last time for my mom's surgery, my mom comes out holding one of those notebooks. She kept them. And it was such a blast from the past to look through that notebook and see, you know, um, a note from, you know, we were probably teenagers, I'm sure, saying that we were going, you know, to the store, going somewhere else. And then um, I have to admit that there were some tears that came to my eyes. My friend Nancy, who lived across the street from me, had left notes for my mom and that too. And, and Nancy died when she was... Um, I was 18, I think, before between high school and college. And so to be able to see those memories uh, was so wonderful. And then to talk to my mom about the rules that we had in our household. You know, and, and I don't remember there being a ton of punishments for waking her up, but we kind of knew that we, didn't, we weren't supposed to do that unless it was important. So we had, we had these rules growing up, and you probably can remember rules like that. You know, for, for my boys, it was, I have three boys and a girl, and the boys particularly were kind of rambunctious. And so for them, it was that no, no running in the house and no wrestling in the house, um, which they kind of followed. And some other things, you know, like that that we had, and, and, when you think about why we have rules, you know, it, it isn't really about parents controlling everything when we have rules at home. There are other things that come 
that come along with rules that, that keep us safe. For example, speed limits on the road. Why do we have speed limits? Any guesses? Well, to keep safe, to, to, to make sure that people aren't <laughs> bracing through. This summer we had a couple of street racers that ran into our apartment building next door going exceeding the speed limit. There are rules to keep people safe. So we're going to continue in this series and we're going to look at these things that often are called the Ten Commandments and we'll, we'll go through this a little bit today. If you remember in this kind of series that we've been covering, we looked at the God's covenant with Noah, the fact that the covenant was for all flesh, all creatures. So we talked about Noah. And then we talked about Abraham, whose promise was that the, his descendants would outnumber the stars. We celebrated World Communion Sunday, which was a different kind of covenant. It was a covenant of the table. And we talked about the table being um, provided for all. We talked about Joseph and being in prison and that God was present with Joseph in that prison. And last week we talked about the crossing of the Red Sea, the fact that you know, the Israelites came up to the Red Sea. The sea was there somewhere between 1,650 feet deep or 8,000 feet deep, depending on where you read, and that there was desert on both sides and that there was the Egyptian army behind them and that they were hemmed in in a place where there wasn't a way God made a way. But they had to be brave, brave enough to step onto that dry land. So those are the things that we've talked about. This is a little bit different today because um, there isn't any visible danger, or is there? We'll have to talk about that. Um, but we're returning to Exodus, and there's a lot that has happened since that, that crossing of the Red Sea. Um, the, the Israelites received water when they had none. Uh, they received manna, even though they didn't know what it was. And they had quail in the wilderness that gave them the food that they needed. And so all of this has happened. And then we come to today's scripture. Um, but here's the thing that keeps coming to my mind as I'm looking at this story, as I'm looking at these people who have gone into the desert. They're kind of wandering without a direction. They, they were... They were slaves in Egypt. Everything that they did was directed for them. You know, when you look back at those stories of how Pharaoh treated them, you know, they had gotten to the point where, you know, he added extra things to their, the bricks that they were making to make them heavier and to work harder. Everything they did, everything they ate um, was directed for them. And now they've come across the Red Sea. They're in the desert and there's really no structure that they can follow. And I wonder, when I think about that fact, I wonder what that would have been like. Would it have been like a, a, a teenager whose first semester in college without mom and dad looking over their back? Would it be like that? 
would it be like um, the first time you, you go out to dinner as a couple without your children? Would it be like that? What exactly would that freedom feel like? And would they know what to do and how to, to live and how to treat each other? Would they know that? So today we're going to look at these 10, we call them commandments. But I want to point out one little thing before we jump into that, and that is, do you notice that this narrative begins not with the listing of the first and most important um, rule, but with the story of God's deliverance of God's people. It seems to me that this history that, that they've been given is really important to know what God has done with them and for them so far. Because I think sometimes if we don't understand why we have rules what's behind those rules, we tend to rebel. We tend to not follow them. Now, I have to come clean with something with you, and that is that I am a rebel. Yet just ask my brothers, all four of them would attest to that. I was the child that did the exact opposite of what I was told when I was little. And I'm a rebel. However, I'm a rebel who understands that sometimes we need rules. I don't have to like them all the time. My new van really likes to go fast. However, that can get me in trouble, can it? Yeah, it can. And I really don't need a speeding ticket. So these 10 commandments or 10 rules kind of give some basic um, foundation for, um, for the morals of society. And I think you could go in, into any society and things like don't kill, don't lie, all of those things would be a part of that, that culture. And it's important to note that there are people who don't pay any attention to those, those moral rules in every society, in every time, in every place. If we go back in history, there are people that kill. If we go back in, in history, there are people who lie. If we look at the here and now, there are people who kill. And there are people who lie. Those things are all a part of our world. We know that that happens. But I'm going to push our little idea about the Ten Commandments a little bit further for you. And that is that I don't believe that the story of the Ten Commandments is so much about proper behavior as it is about identity that I am the Lord your God, that people who, who live in the way that, that, that honors me live in this way. I think that it's saying who and whose you are when we're following those basic 
basic rules. Remember what Jesus said the two most important commandments were? Do you remember what those were? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your body, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those aren't so much about rules, are they? They're more about relationship. Relationship to God and relationship to others. And guess what? Relationship to ourselves as well. All of those things. One of the things that I find really interesting as I look in the Hebrew about this passage is that it really doesn't say commandment anywhere in the Hebrew. And in many of the translations, it doesn't say commandments. I'm not sure how we got the idea that these were commands. You know what that word is? It's the words. These are the ten words that God has for God's people. To me, command is someone over us telling us what to do. Words are sharing, this is the identity I would like you to have. These are the things that we can do together. A big difference there. So I want to give you four words about these ten words. And the first is that it's a word of promise. It's kind of that tone that comes through when we stop looking at this as a command and more as a sharing. These are more words of sharing and covenant and less about that command. It's a vision for a people yet to come. Could you imagine if the whole world loved God and loved neighbors? What would that look like? What would that feel like? How would that change how we live? You see, because I think God gives these words not as someone trying to control, but instead like a parent would give these words to a child to help them understand that there are consequences when you don't follow them. Here's what I mean by that. If we harm another in any way, we also harm ourselves. We do. James, in, in his letter, talks about the tongue being a, a a sword, a tongue that can do harm. And, and if we harm others, we harm ourselves. God is this parent saying, if you do these things, if you live this way, you will prosper. It'll be good for you and good for the world and good for people around you. Now, in the first part of the scripture we read today, that the part that's kind of troublesome is when God is talking about um, putting on people uh, harm 
to the the second and third generation. Do you remember reading that part? And then it says that the other side of that, the flip side of that goes to the thousands generation. Now let me ask you something. If you are aware of someone, or maybe it's yourself, and there's been trauma in your childhood, then experience tells us that often that trauma goes forward unless something changes. So I think that that isn't a, a blame-shame thing. I think that it's a, a reality thing. That when trauma happens, when sin happens, whatever you want to call that sin, that it makes a difference in future generations. I think I've shared with you before that my birth father was an alcoholic and he died very young. He was 48. I've also shared with you that of my, of the five of us, three are dead and died young of, of consequences of alcoholism. What I can tell you is the next generation, the ones who saw this happen, make different choices than this generation did. And so eventually healing happens in a family like that, and sometimes it takes longer than three or four generations. Sometimes it does. But that other part, the part that talks about the thousands of generations to come, that, that, that I am the one who loves for thousands of generations. That's pretty incredible to me. So that word of promise then is a word that's not necessarily punishment, but correction. Not necessarily harsh, but soft. Not necessarily crushing, but building up. And building up a community of people who believe in ways that bring about good for the world. The second word is a word of freedom. We talked about that a little bit earlier, that the people who came into um, the desert didn't necessarily know how to be people without being people in slavery. There had been generations that they had been slaves. They, had, they didn't know how to do that, and they got into this freedom, and these words were given to them to help them live into their freedom, not take away their freedom. something to hold on to. These ten words remind us today that God is not an impersonal force, but a loving God who sets us free in order for us to truly learn to love our neighbor. We have to realize that we are not the center of the universe, that there's more people out there, that they're 
that we're here to love each other and love our neighbors. We have been set free, even with these rules, to love God and love our neighbor. The third word is perspective. The God who brought the Israelites out of slavery dreamed a vision for a people and said, you will have no other gods before me. You are not at the mercy of a bunch of powers that battle against each other. I am the one God who loves you and sets you free. Stay focused on me and I will be with you. It's not impersonal. God is saying, I will be with you. We have been set free to love. We have been set free to love. The fourth and final word is that this is about community. The scope of the law is for everyone. Don't use my name in vain and keep the Sabbath holy. Does that simply mean that I can't cuss and I have to go to church on Sunday? I don't think so. I don't think that that's the scope of this. Those are good rules to follow, maybe. I'm not sure about the cuss one. I love being in church with you on Sunday. But I don't think that's the full intent of this word. Notice what is supposed to happen on the Sabbath. Everyone gets to rest. It's kind of a good equalizer. Do you know that you need rest? Some of us worker bees have a hard time seeing that. Or... Maybe it's not seeing that, but maybe the point is not feeling guilty when we rest because it's doing something for us. Going back to the very beginning of these ten words, I am the Lord your God. And ending with this whole idea of rest, God is inviting us all into rest. And I know that it's hard to do at different times in our lives. I know it is. I know sometimes we think we need to be busy and doing things all the time. Recently, um, I noticed that it was going to be 85 degrees in Seaside last Saturday. And I sure had a lot of things that I needed to be doing. But if you know me at all, you know that the place that I renew my spirit, that my soul craves, is the beach. So I waited for daughter Sarah to get off work, and we went to the beach, and we walked miles, and miles, and miles. And I came home a different person than I went. Rest for you may be very different than rest for me. Maybe it's taking a nap when you need to. A sacred nap is a thing.
10 words for the people of God. I came across something I want to share with you as we kind of wrap this up today. Um, there was a, a, a video blog from um, a woman, Siri on um, Strawman, that um, I also listened to, and it has her personal rendition of the Ten Commandments, and I was so intrigued by what she had to say. I want you to kind of close your eyes if you can and let these words kind of drift over you. This is a moment of rest. Hear these words. I am the creator of all, the healer and the breaker of chains. There is no other power that is worth your time and your energy. Do not hand over your worth to success, fame, money, and approval from the world. When you chase after these things, you will find them empty. You will see they ask too much of you and leave you exhausted and used, but especially mindful be especially mindful of the things that seem like they belong to me, the scriptures of the past, the institutions of my church, the buildings where you gather to worship me, the governments that claim to uphold my name. Putting your loyalty and heart into these can easily seem like honoring me, but it is an idol just the same. When those things become more important than the guidance of the Holy Spirit or the cries of the very people I created and called you to love, then you are not following me. I see the consequences ripple down through the generations, both good and bad. So be mindful of how you are living your life and for whom. Do not use my name to give yourself power or legitimacy. Do not use it to manipulate or condemn. You do not control me and you have no right to play God by invoking my name. Be humble enough to wonder who I really am and what I really desire for the world I created and love. Be curious and open. I am not to be used to defend your ego or your quest for power. Slow down. Stop enslaving yourselves by creating and buying into systems that reward constant activity and constant work to the detriment of all that makes life abundant. Do not enslave yourself and do not enslave other human beings, animals, or the creation under pretenses of success. You and everyone else need sleep rest and quiet, nature, time with friends and family in order to be sane. Learn to remove yourself from situations or systems that make you insane. Learn to recognize when you have lost joy, passion, creativity, and ability to serve others, for in that moment you are not living as a human, but as a slave to something else. Respect and care for the vulnerable in your communities. Those that are physically and mentally vulnerable should be protected and cared for. 
one's worth is not defined by their ability to produce or to be successful. Do not be a part of any action or system that destroys the body, mind, or spirit of another human being, or even my, of my whole creation, without honor or regard, but rather advocate for life-affirming actions and systems where all human beings and creations benefit. Relationships, partnerships, and the gift of sexuality are to be honored. You will not buy, use, abuse, or betray, or disrespect another person for your own benefit. It damages you both. All people deserve a home, a property, and a way of life that is sustainable. Creating laws or dodging laws in order to take more than your fair share is stealing. No matter how cleverly you disguise it, everyone deserves a trustworthy community. Watch how you speak to others. Your tongue has the power to spread lies and falsehood, to cut down and demean, dismiss, and damage others. Let your compassion be a gatekeeper of all that you speak and type and learn to listen. You don't know half of what you need to know to accurately judge another person. You are enough. You do not need another person's career, success, body, or possessions in order to be worth something. Let jealousy teach you not to hate others or to take from them, but how to address what is hurting in your own soul. If you aren't satisfied with your own soul, there is nothing out there in that world that will convince you that you are enough or have enough. Oh, my friends, be careful. I read that over and over this week. And sometimes looking at something in a little different perspective, maybe from a balcony looking out over the world, gives us a way to take it in to our very souls in a very different way. These words, these, these 10 words, are a way to life. You know, when Jesus said, you know, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, he summed up all that. I can almost see him holding all that in those two commandments. So this, this promise that we're looking at today is not a promise exactly like the others we've looked at before, but this is a promise that, that we are enough. This is a promise that God made us. This is a promise that tells us that God knows who and whose we are and will act accordingly. This is a promise that when we look into the eyes of another, we see that same promise shining back at us. So my friends, as, as I wrap up today, I'm just going to invite you to hold the things that you've heard today gently. To know that you are important to know that you are loved beyond measure and that you are capable 
of loving beyond measure, even when you think you can't. God, these things that we've looked at today, we give to you and ask that you write some important peace on our hearts that we can pull out this week, that we can look at, revisit, and hear your voice, hear your word, in our words as well. Amen.